the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we dwell on our disappointments, we are going to miss the open door of God's providence and the joy of the new thing that God wants to do in our lives. That's Pastor Mark Finley, and this is Hope Lives. 365. At Hope Lives 365, we believe God answers prayer. If you would like us to pray for you, then keep in mind this telephone number throughout today's broadcast, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-HOPE. Here now is our pastor teacher, Mark Finley, with today's Hope Lives 365. You wanted that job so badly. You wanted that job. They were offering you Hey, commensurate with your talents. But the whole thing fell through. You wanted that position in the church. And you knew you were qualified. You just knew it. Whatever the disappointment is in your life, the more you focus on that disappointment, the less God can use you. But the more you are able to say, all right, Jesus... For every door that is shut, you're going to open some other door. All right, Jesus. For every door that is shut, help me readjust my priorities. Refocus. Readjust. Now, there's a third principle in dealing with disappointment. And it's this. Redirect your energies. Don't just sit there. Do something. Don't wallow in the mud of self-pity. Don't begin focusing on what happened to you and raising doubts about why God let it happen. I love this statement, Ministry of Healing, page 474. If you're taking notes, you want this one. This is a gem. You don't want to miss this. In the future life, in what life, everybody? The future life. The mysteries that have annoyed and disappointed us will be made plain. In the future life, the mysteries that have annoyed and disappointed us will be made plain. Was there ever something that annoyed you? Ever something that disappointed you? What's going to happen in the future life? It's going to be made what? Plain. Next sentence. We shall see that our seemingly unanswered prayers and our disappointed hopes have become our greatest blessings. Wow. We shall see in the future life that the unanswered prayers and the disappointed hopes have been among our greatest blessings. You know what? Sometimes... Good people make mistakes. You think that's true? Sometimes even godly leaders exhibit poor judgment. You think that's true? Because a person is a godly leader, does that mean they're infallible? Can good people make poor decisions sometimes? How do you deal with that? How do you deal with it when it's not your mistakes, it's not some failure that you've made? How do you deal with the mistakes of others at work? And in the church, how do you approach that as a Christian? I think one of the greatest lessons is the Apostle Paul. Take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21. Now, what is our third principle? 
Our third principle is that when you face disappointment in any area, you don't get that house, you don't get that job, you don't get that position. When you face disappointment, you don't wallow in self-pity, you redirect your energies toward the area that God is leading. Now, this is an amazing story in Acts chapter 21. If I went through what Paul went through, I can only pray that God would give me the grace that Paul had. Sometimes I may not have that grace. So here's the story. Paul has had a successful evangelistic meeting among the Gentiles. Scores of people are coming to Christ and scores of people being baptized. Paul comes to Jerusalem and the Jewish leaders are really, really nervous. James, the lead pastor and the elders, are really nervous. Now, if Pastor James and the elders make a decision, it must be infallible, right? You're silent, church. You're silent. Because James in the Bible, the pastor, and because his elders make a decision, it must be infallible, right? What do you think? Okay. We're going to see what happens, and we're going to see how Paul relates to it. Here is a lesson that you can apply in the church, on your job. It's an amazing lesson. Verse 15, Acts 21. And after those things, we packed up, and we went up to Jerusalem. Now, Paul must have been incredibly excited because he had all these Gentiles that are coming to Christ. Verse 16 and 17. Some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us and brought with them one mission of Cyprus, an early disciple whom we were to lodge. And when we had come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. They said, Paul, we're so excited you're here. This is amazing. When we had, verse 18, on the following day, Paul went in with us to James and all the elders were present. So Paul comes to James and all the elders to give the report. He speaks in verse 19, and he says, when we greeted them, he told them in detail, very specifically, what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard it, they glorified God. And they said to him, you see, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are that believed. They're zealous for the law. Now, here's what happens, and I'll summarize the story and then come to the point. Paul gives his testimony. The disciples who have a Jewish background listen to the testimony. They're excited about the testimony, but they're concerned because they've heard rumors. And the rumors that they've heard are unfounded. And the rumors that they heard were that Paul was downplaying the law of Moses. So they were really upset about that. Now listen, anytime you try to placate the rumor mongers, you're in trouble. That's true. Anytime you try to placate the rumor mongers, you're in trouble. You can't chase every rabbit that goes and solve every problem. So James and the elders come to this conclusion. Paul, there's a lot of rumors about you that you don't teach people to obey the law of Moses. This is what we want you to do. We want to take four men and we want you to go into the Jewish temple, go through the Jewish vows with them. That was a great mistake. Tremendous mistake. It was cowardice, really. They didn't have to do that. James made a mistake. The elders make a mistake here. And they tell Paul, Paul, you go in and get this thing done. Paul made a mistake because he compromised what he should have done. He should have simply sat down with them and said, look, James, look, elders, I don't believe God's leading in that direction. But he didn't do that. So to try to keep peace, he goes to this Jewish temple to get him circumcised. When he goes in there, 
his character is mischaracterized, some of the real ultra-conservative, way-off Jews begin to condemn him. And they say, Paul, you brought an uncircumcised person into the temple. He never did that. And so what happens? There's a riot. Paul gets arrested. And as the result of being arrested, his ministry of evangelism ultimately ends. He yielded to the judgment of church leadership. And as a result of that, legalistic Jews mischaracterize his actions. They falsely accused him and he's in prison. He didn't get good counsel. What did he do? Now, here is the most amazing thing. You do not find one word of criticism coming out of the mouth of Paul toward James and the elders. You don't find one word of that. Did they make a good decision? No. But does Paul go around and hold up a banner and promote that? No. What does Paul do? He redirects his energies to minister where God leads him. Now, don't misunderstand. There are times privately when, at work, a Christian has to deal with issues with his boss. There are times in the church where we have to deal privately with issues. But if you run around trying to correct every misunderstanding, you're only going to create disunity, and you're going to make things worse. You see, Paul had this constant sense of the bigness of God. How big is your God? How big is your God? Is your God small so he can't solve problems? Paul has this constant sense of the bigness of God. He has this constant sense of the greatness of God. He has the constant sense of this awesomeness of God's cause. Paul was captivated by a vision of reaching the lost people. And wherever God placed him, that was his priority. You shut the doors for Paul in Asia, he's going to look for the open door in Europe. You put Paul in prison in Philippi, he's going to witness to that prison guard. He's going to touch the life of Caesar's household. You see, Paul is overwhelmed with a sense of God's bigness, of God's greatness. He's overwhelmed with the sense that his life is in God's hands. He's overwhelmed with the sense that all these little petty disappointments of life are not going to crush him. But he's going to rise above that to look at the vision that God has for his life. I pray that the Living Hope Church will be a church that rises above any pettiness and rises above to the mission of Jesus Christ that we can go out into the world and out into these communities to reach Jesus with the gospel. What do you say, church? Let Christ's vision for your life overshadow the circumstances of your life. You missed it. I got to repeat it. Let God's vision for your life overshadow the circumstances of your life. You are special to God. He has a place for you. He's given you gifts for his service. When doors are shut, when disappointment comes, look for open doors, redirect your energies into new opportunities for the service of Christ. Now, there's one last thing. Four ways to handle disappointment. One, you refocus the lens of your life. You begin looking not at the shut door and complaining about it, but you begin looking at the open door. Two, you realign your priorities. You begin looking for other priorities. One door shuts, look for other priorities. Three, you redirect your energies. You direct your energies into open doors, and you don't bang on shut doors. You redirect your energies. Four, 
you really rethink of what's of value to you. You focus your life on the thing that really matters. Pastor Mark Finley will continue with more in just a moment. Stay tuned. Hope Lives 365 is a donor-supported ministry. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. If you have been blessed by our ministry, go to our website, hopelives365.com, or call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now, once again, Pastor Mark Finley. I'm sure that Paul must have been aware of what Jesus told his disciples. John 13, verse 7. John 13 and verse 7. I'm sure Paul must have been aware of this. John, the 13th chapter, the 7th verse. When Jesus was doing the foot washing, he said this. This is an eternal principle. Jesus answered and said to him, says to Peter, what I'm doing you do not understand, but you'll know after this. A lot of times when you go through disappointment, you don't understand it. You only understand it looking back at it and seeing how God opened the doors of opportunity. So here Jesus said, what I'm doing now you don't really understand, but you are going to understand it later. Many times in life, we don't understand what we're going through, when we're going through it. And we don't even have to wait to eternity to understand it. Because you let six months go by, you let a year go by, you let two years go by, and you look back on that experience, you say, now I understand that. Now I know why God let me go through that experience. So Jesus said, and I'm sure Paul must have known this, nobody in the New Testament experienced challenges like Paul did. And you find all of those challenges summarized in 2 Corinthians 4. Paul was able, because he believed in the bigness of God, and because he believed in the greatness of God, and because he believed in the ever-present Christ, the eternal ever-present Christ, Paul was able to rise above. He did not allow his circumstances to dictate who he was. He rose above those circumstances. We're looking here. Here's Paul summarizing, this is 2 Corinthians 4, 7 and onward. Paul's summarizing the challenges he faces in his ministry. And here is what Paul says, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 and onward. He says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. In other words, we're feeble, we're clay, that the excellence of the power of God may be in God, not of us. We are hard pressed on every side. Notice he says, we are hard pressed on every side. In other words, the pressure is so great. We are troubled on every side. We are challenged on every side. 
There are difficulties on every side, yet we are not crushed. In other words, we're not broken. We're not shattered. We are perplexed. That is, we're confused. We don't know what's going on here. We sometimes doubt the future. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're not filled with despair. Why not? God's leading. We're persecuted. That is, others are oppressing us, but we are not forsaken. We are struck down. You see the word struck down? That's a boxing word. And Paul borrowed that from Greek and Roman boxing. It's like when the boxer hits you in the face and it knocks you down on the canvas and you're lying there. So Paul says, I've been knocked down by the boxer's blow. Satan has hit me pretty hard. Notice what he says. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our body. Now notice, Paul's urgent appeal to those facing disappointment or going through trial is this. Don't lose your sense of eternal perspective. You find that in verse 16 and 17. Paul says, I'm going through persecution. I'm going through difficulty. I'm going through trial. I'm going through disappointment. Verse 16 and 17. What does Paul say? He says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction. What kind of affliction, everybody? Light affliction is but for a moment. It's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. What is Paul saying? He's saying whatever you're going through is light. Whatever you're going through is small. Whatever you're going through is meager in comparison to your eternal glory. So when you go through disappointment, reimagine heaven. Dream about the glory of the living Christ. Think about the second coming of Christ. Our trials fade into insignificance in the light of the glory of Jesus and his return. What is it that motivated Paul? What is it that inspired Paul? What is it that kept Paul going? He recognized that this life was temporary. He recognized that our lives were here but for a brief moment. He focused his attention on eternity. There are four things to do when you go through disappointment. You refocus on what God is doing, not on your expectations that have not been met. Secondly, you realign your priorities and look for the open door of opportunity. Thirdly, you redirect your energies on things that matter. Fourthly, you rethink what really matters and you reevaluate your life. Now, there are two things not to do. Many people have a great memory for the wrong things. Does God have a long or short memory? Does God have a long or short memory? Please take your Bible and turn to Hebrews 8, verse 12. Is it good sometimes to have a short memory? Hebrews 8, verse 12. Here's what Scripture says. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and lawless needs. I will do what? Remember what? No more. When we come to God and confess our sins, does he remember them? Does he keep them in mind? No. It says he remembers them no more. God has a short memory when it comes to sin and a long memory when it comes to righteousness. God wants you to have a short memory when it comes to your sins. Some people have a great memory for the wrong things. 
God wants us to have a short memory for our sins, a short memory for the mistakes of others, a short memory for our own mistakes, a short memory for the pain that others have caused us. If we dwell on our disappointments, we are going to miss the open door of God's providence and the joy of the new thing that God wants to do in our lives. Two things not to do. Number one, don't have a long memory for bad things and a short memory for good things. Many people have a great memory for the wrong things. Did I get it? But God wants us to have a what? Short memory for the wrong things. But some people have a poor memory for the good things or the right things. God wants us to have a long memory for the what? Good things. All right. You want to get out of disappointment? Thank God for his goodness. Thank God for his greatness. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his power. Thank God for the gift of Jesus. Thank God for the gift of his word. Thank God for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank God that Jesus is coming again. When your life is filled with thanksgiving, disappointment is going to disappear like the night before the rising sun. When your life is filled with thanksgiving and praise, disappointment is going to disappear like the dew that melts as the sun rises in the morning. When you are filled with thanksgiving and praise, you will live a life of the open doors of God's opportunity. God has a lot more for you, your personal life, than you can imagine. God never takes away something from us without giving to us something greater. God never takes away something from us without giving to us something greater. This week, look for the open door. This week, look for the opportunities God's going to give you. This week, refocus the lens of your life away from every door that shuts to every door that's open. This week, realign your priorities. Maybe something you wanted, God didn't want for you at all. Realign your priorities. Ask God what's important. Get on your knees and say, Jesus, what's important? This week, redirect your energies. Redirect them into the doors that God is opening. God has something special for you this week. And in the final analysis, ask yourself the question, what difference does it make? What difference does it make? If it does not make an eternal difference for God's glory and the advancement of his kingdom, let the thing go. Don't allow discouragement and disappointment like a noose around your neck to strangle your joy. Because one day, we are headed for the place of eternal joy, of eternal gladness. As long as we live in this life, people make mistakes. As long as we live in this life, there will be injustices. As long as we live in this life, good people at times may make poor judgment decisions. I've made them in my life. Still make them from time to time. But I thank God that you and I can rise above 
the lowlands of earth and let our hearts be fixed on eternity where God will make all things right. Let that word encourage your heart this week. Oh, my Father, we are thankful that you never shut a door without opening a door. Father, I thank you that for this congregation, for everyone sitting here, men and women, boys and girls, there are going to be doors open this week. I know it, Father. You can open doors. Doors of opportunity, doors of joy, doors of abundance. That's the kind of God you are. Father, help us turn our back on the shut doors and run in the spirit of Christ through the open doors. Father, teach us to constantly readjust our priorities when doors shut. Help us to redirect our energies in the opportunities you're giving. And Father, at the end of the journey, and all the way along the journey, help us to look to Jesus, the one who's promised us eternal life. Help us have a short memory for our disappointments and the faults of others. And help us have a long memory for the goodness of God. Lord, you are so good. You've saved us by your grace. You've revealed to us the truth of your word. You've planned for us an eternal kingdom. You're coming again to save us. And all we can say is thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Christ's name, amen. Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's Last Altar Call is just the book you need. Mark Fenley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy. 888-244-HOPE That's 888-244-4673 The book is yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. Again, thank you for your support. 888-244-HOPE That's 888-244-4673 Thanks for listening today to Hope Lives 365.